You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Happier at Work podcast. Today's guest is Nate Regeer, PhD. He is the CEO and founding owner of Next Element, which is a global learning consultancy focused on compassionate leadership. He's a clinical psychologist and an expert in personality, social, emotional intelligence, communication and leadership. He's also recognized as a top 100 keynote speaker. He is a process communication model certifying master trainer. He's the author of three books, Beyond Drama, Transcending Energy Vampires, Conflict Without Casualties, and his latest book, Seeing People Through, is the main area of focus for the podcast today. Enjoy today's podcast and listen out for my summary at the end. I'm also carrying out a survey to get feedback on the podcast. You will find that at happieratwork.ie forward slash survey. So welcome, Nate, to the Happier at Work podcast. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Absolutely, Aoife. It's great to meet you. Great to be here. Uh, my name is Nate Regeer, and I'm the CEO of Next Element Consulting. We're a global leadership development firm, and our mission is to bring more compassion to every workplace. And we do this through amplifying the message of compassion through relationships like ours. We do this through developing tools and uh, leadership training tools for people to de- become more compassionate. And we also love to train and certify and support a global network of coaches and trainers and consultants that are also using our tools. So that's that's my day job. And I also have a family and I just, uh, my oldest daughter just got married a week and a half ago and oh, I can't wow. stop talking about that. So <laughs> that's who I am today. That's time time to celebrate, big celebration, yes. especially in this, in this uh, current climate, shall we say. Well, it wasn't Fantastic. easy to do it, but we yeah, managed to do it so. and nobody Brilliant. got sick. And Yes, yeah. amazing. Um, now, I'd, I'd love to drill in a little bit to what you're talking about in relation to compassion. So I, I did see a video not too long ago which talked about compassion and the difference between, say, compassion and empathy. So would you like to explain a little bit more detail what you mean when you talk about compassion? Yeah, yeah. Well, compassion has been important for our company from the beginning, and it's not it's not often well understood. A lot of people think that compassion means kind of this selfless giving of everything. Our heart goes out to people and it's driven by empathy. And it's certainly easy to think that that's all that compassion is when we look at some of the magnanimous role models like Mother Teresa or Gandhi, give, 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 never think of yourself. And compassion is really much more than that because it comes from the Latin root meaning to struggle with or to suffer with, not instead of, uh, it means to get alongside people. And so for leadership, this is a powerful concept that compassion means that we are struggling with people towards shared goals, towards our mission, towards our vision. And that requires a very uh, expanded mindset for, for how we approach that. Brilliant. That's, and I've never heard it explained that way before, but I really, really like that approach. It's really great. Um, so we're here to talk about your book. And I had a, um, a look on your website earlier and it just, it looks so interesting. It's just a really unique approach, I think. 
Um, would you like to explain a little bit more about where the book came from, the idea for the book, um, and, and what, what's sure. in it? I haven't read sure. it yet, so what's in it? Yeah, yeah, well, the title is <clears throat> very much the story of the genesis of this book, Seeing People Through. And um, like I said, our company specializes in leadership training, particularly around communication and around diversity and personalities and how people appreciate and leverage that diversity. One of my colleagues and co-founders of our company was in Michigan doing two weeks of intensive training with a school system. And, and it was day after day working with different groups, doing the same thing over and over and over. And she was worn out by the end of the week. And um, one of the things that happens when people are learning about personality or models of individual differences is it's really easy to start to hang on to labels and start uh, putting people in boxes and oversimplifying and kind of stereotyping like, you know, you're a, you're an Eagle or you're a red or you're this quadrant <laughs> or you're an M, you know, an uh, ENTJ or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that can become really, that's really hard when we're trying to promote inclusion and diversity. So she was tired at the end of the week. She was going to spend the weekend in a hotel and not see her family. She went out for her Chinese food and when she received her bill, she got the usual fortune cookie. And when she opened the fortune cookie, Inside, what it read was, the intention is not to see through people. The intention is to see people through. And in that moment, she realized, this is why I'm here. This is what we do. We are working with a framework that helps see people through, not just figure people out so you can label them and identify them like there's some kind of a puzzle or a lock to be unlocked. And when she came back and shared that with us, we knew on that day, almost 10 years ago, that that was going to be the title of this book. And so we spent all this time working on what does leadership look like when you really commit to seeing people through? Brilliant. It's a, it's a fantastic backstory. Yeah. Really, really interesting. And um, so, so talk me through what's the, the, the kind of steps in the yeah. book. Yeah. Well, the subtitle is Unleash Your Leadership Potential with the Process Communication Model. The Process Communication Model is a behavioral model of personality specifically focusing on observable communication behaviors. And we like it because it's so unique compared to other models because it focuses on observable behavior. It focuses on what we call types in people instead of types of people. So what that means is the identified personality types that we talk about in the book, we all have all of them in us to a, in a preferred set order to some degree. So what that means is that for me, Aoife, to connect with you, I have to find that part inside of me first. And then when I appreciate that and I honor that, then I can do the same for you. And so this is such a powerful framework for unlocking leadership that we decided to write a book where we, where we taught really important leadership principles with the framework of PCM, process communication model. So people can really learn about what it means to grow into my personality and then help others do the same. Oh, it's brilliant. And I, and I don't think I've heard that approach before. Typically, like you say, we get labeled, we get put into boxes and I'm guilty of that myself. And I love doing that. And I love solving mm -hmm. puzzles and everything that you said, you know, and working out, well, if I'm this personality type, who will I get on most with and use those, that kind of information in order to determine who would be best working together and those kind of things like that's something that I find really interesting. So this yeah. to me is, it kind of flips that on its head and said, well, actually, 
if you can use this model to really drill in and understand yourself even more and really get in touch with who you are. And like you say, grow into your personality. You don't need to change who you are. You just grow into who you already are and and be more of yourself, which I think is what people want. And there's a lot of talk about authenticity and vulnerability. So, you know, those kind of things are really key for it. Um, So I really, really like that as an approach, um, you know, over and above what, what is typically done so what what kind of um i suppose where do we start so i I had a look on on the website as i said and um it said that the the the, um the tool to measure your personality is only available to people resident of the united states which i am not Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i wasn't able to take it but i i suppose for people listening in the states they'll be able to to take that and they'll be able to start kind of the process but i suppose you know, for, for someone like me, how do I, how do I start to, to unravel? Well, two, two great things. I, I, I want to answer that question. And I want to go back to what you said about how this book turns the paradigm on its head. Yes. And that is critical because once we turn the paradigm upside down, it allows us to start talking about important leadership concepts with a, with a new view, like authenticity. What does it mean to be authentic when we used to say it means being true to myself. Well, if I have all six personality types within me, what does it mean to be true to myself? Mm. And how does that allow me to be agile and honor other people at the same time? So we tackle tough topics like like hypocrisy, honesty, influence, um, self-deception, trust, and talk about those with this kind of upside down framework. To your other point, actually, the good news is there is a new leadership profile that is only available in the U.S. now, but it will be available globally soon. The good news, though, is that this model is being taught by over 3,000 trainers and coaches globally in many, many countries. So the profile itself and all kinds of great insights are available in any country you live in, Um, and any one of the Anyone can go look for a trainer or a coach near them and obtain their own personality structure profile and use that along with my book to be able to gain great insights into their own leadership. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, no, I, 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 I look forward to that because I suppose I'm the kind of person I like to understand more about myself. Um, I think for leadership, for me, self-awareness is one of the critical skills or one of the yeah critical things that you know it's not really a skill that you have I'm not I'm not sure you would necessarily call it a skill um but it's one of the the critical elements of being an effective leader is seeking out information about yourself um and I suppose not not only that but um taking on board feedback and and acting upon it not just (laughs) not just seeking out the information but actually taking action about it um we often say, like, don't worry about what other people think. But I read a really interesting book a few months back, and it said, well, you do need to worry about what other people think because, actually, other people are the ones who are buying from you. They're the ones that are hiring you. They're the ones that are yeah. collaborating with you. And it's, it is important. And if you're getting that feedback multiple times, that maybe, maybe the problem is with you and it's not well, with other people. 
the main character mm. in the book, Kayla, this is a fable. And it was, yeah. um, I've always been inspired. My, one of my favorite fables is the book Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute. And what I loved about this fable was the main character is on a journey. And this main character gets paired up with a guide who teaches them. But many, many times throughout the journey, the main character thinks they have it all figured out. You know, and then the onion gets peeled back. Yeah, one more layer. And so Kayla in this journey, she is just like that. And she's learning about her own personality, her own leadership. And she comes up against these barriers inside of herself, her preconceived notions, her past experience, her own personality. Mm. Um, and, And she breaks through and then she thinks she has it figured out. And then, you know, she stumbles and her guide and her mentor just keeps gently, um, helping her appreciate who she is deeper and deeper and deeper to your point that it starts here and it starts within us first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, really interesting. And I did see that on the, on the website that it's told as a fable. So that in itself, I think would be very interesting. Um, now on some of the previous podcasts, we talked about leadership and there was a whole series on leadership actually. And, um, you know, some of the interesting things to come up and to come out of that were, can everyone be a leader and, you know, are some people, it's not even just the, the kind of born versus the made leaders. It's more, um, <clears throat> some people don't want to be leaders, but that's the path that's presented to them within their career. And like, they yeah. see that as this is the only way for me to progress. Um, what are your thoughts around that? I agree with you. And mm-hmm. this, our definition of leadership is, leadership is leveraging diversity towards shared goals. And that's a pretty broad definition, but in the context of this book, it's about how do we leverage the diversity of personality within us and around us towards a common goal, whether it's our, our strategic initiatives, our company's mission, our family, whatever that is. And so I think that anyone can be a leader. A parent is leading their three different children with different personalities to get in the car and arrive at school on time. (laughs) So mothers and fathers and teachers are leading diverse groups of personalities every single day towards a shared common goal, which is to education and learning and growth. So yes, anyone can be a leader uh, regardless of their position as long as they care about influencing diversity and honoring diversity towards a shared goal. And I suppose the, the question then is what if, what if they don't or what if they're not aware or what if they're not promoting diversity of opinion and, and different approaches to things? Yeah, and that's one of the challenges that the main character has is she is she learns along the way that sometimes, not everybody sees the world like I do. Mm. And that is the first big kind of scale to take off of her eyes is to realize that other people experience the world differently than me. And if I assume that they don't, then I, I'd have no idea how I'm coming across. I have no idea how my behavior is affecting them or how they're experiencing me. Um, so yes, I do care about how other people experience me. Um, and the other big lesson in the book too is that ultimately we cannot control other people or control other people's feelings. We can influence, we can invite, and we can take care of ourselves and, and take responsibility for our own thoughts and feelings and behaviors. But there's a limit to what we can do. And when we know where that limit is, I think we can be way more effective. Brilliant. So again, it comes back to understanding ourselves. It does. 
you know, our personality, but our limits, our limitations within there that could be including boundaries and and that sort of thing, which is um, really interesting. So when you talk about things like diversity and promoting diversity, do you want to talk to me a little bit more about, well, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking back the other day, the first time I ever talked about personality diversity publicly was in 2013. I was, um, I was a presenter at the a Human Resource National Convention in the U.S. here for all human resource people. And I was, it was a particular convention focused on diversity and inclusion. And so I was speaking on this topic. The room was packed and I was so excited. The room was packed. But afterwards, people came out to me and said, I had never heard about personality diversity. I care about diversity and inclusion, but I didn't know that this was an aspect of it. And I'm blown away to find out how much diversity that we take for granted is actually personality functioning beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And so since then, I've really been beating that drum of personality is an important aspect of diversity that we need to pay attention to because it influences how we experience the world, how we interpret each other's behavior, how we talk, how we're motivated what we are afraid of, what keeps us up at night, what's, what helps us sleep at night, all of that is influenced by personality. So we better be talking about it just like we're talking about gender and ethnicity and background and race and, uh, you know, everything else. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And I think you're absolutely right. And I don't think people are talking about that. They're talking about the obvious physical yeah. differences between people yeah. and they call that diversity. Yeah. But really, ultimately... And, you know, there's so many studies on this as well, showing how um, having diversity, especially at that those senior leader roles, is really critical for business mm-hmm. success. Yeah. And it really yeah. drives growth. But it's to me, it's about that diversity of thought. So finding mm-hmm. people who think differently to you yeah. and yeah. probably at the heart of that is more personality. Yeah. So having, having yeah. those diverse opinions and those diverse perspectives because people are built differently. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, people, when people read the book or, or get training in PCM or receive their own profile, one of the things they'll start noticing is that we tend to gravitate towards people that have similar personality energies as us. So we walk into a room of strangers or into a, a networking event or a cocktail reception or a bar and over time we feel more comfortable with people who speak our language and get us. Um, and so we gravitate towards them. We naturally trust them more. We naturally think they understand us more and we tend to open up more to them. Um, that same workshop that I just described in 2013, after the workshop, a man came out to me, African-American gentleman. He said, I'm the head of diversity and inclusion for my company. And he said, you get me. Finally, you get me. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, clearly you've been around lots of African-Americans. You just understand us. And I said, man, I wish that was true. I grew up in Africa. Yeah, but that's not the same. I said, I don't have a lot of black friends. I said, I wish that was true, but I, what do you mean? He says, the way you talked. And what, was, what happened was when I, when I role-played a particular personality type called the rebel, I showed what's called verve. And verve is a word to describe kind of um, often used to describe kind of um, African-American style, you know, a little bit more, um, more expressive. And that immediately got 
he invited him to think that I got him and he trusted me. Wow, okay. And there's research to show actually that that personality type is slightly more prevalent among African-Americans. So now we instantly have a race, ethnic, cultural, personality, you know, mix that we have to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, But the beauty was by speaking his language, I earned his trust and I didn't have to have lots of experience in his world or know everything about African-American culture or have been through the suffering that he's been through, um, simply have to speak his language. Yeah, no, it's, it's so interesting. And something that occurred to me, so I've just finished a dissertation um, for my master's in organizational behavior. And Congratulations. Thank wow. You. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah, no, it, it really is. I, I submitted my dissertation last month, um, but it, it was a topic, I guess I was looking at it for about a year and a half, That's something that I still mm-hmm. find hugely interesting. Um, was fit and fitting in at work and I think exactly what we're talking about now is a different element of that um, which is why it's so interesting to me but one of I suppose the the key elements within what I was looking at were values congruence and uh, need satisfaction I didn't look at personality as such but one of the the kind of core principles I suppose around that was like attracts like and we tend to be attracted to organizations that we perceive to be like ourselves. Yeah. And if we're yeah. a hiring manager or if we are a recruiter or if we're in HR, we will hire people yeah. who we yeah, yeah. think they get me or I get them yeah. or whatever. Like attracts like. Um, but it also occurred to me as you were speaking that, that if you if you gravitate towards people who are like you, then you create this, what they call the echo chamber, where you're just getting reflected back the opinions that you have anyway. And that's the opposite of, of diversity. Yeah. Um, so any kind of thoughts on how to, I mean, it's a natural human instinct. So how yeah. do we branch out of that to, to get exposure oh. to the different types of opinions or the different types of personalities that, that don't necessarily well, feel comfortable to us. The work you're doing is so important with your dissertation. And what we've, what we've found with the, pers- the, the process communication model helps us understand the difference between values as belief systems or principles mm. and values in terms of what's important to us. And it distinguishes that from need satisfaction. So Great. each personality type has certain needs that are very important to be satisfied in order to function well. That's what they value. Mm. Only one personality type actually aspires to principles and values as a belief system. Um, and they have opinions about that. And that represents only 10% of the population. So it helps us really get clarity around what you're talking about there and be able to speak to the things people value, yeah. which is different than speaking to values yes. yeah, um, yeah. as principles. But the, um, what, what this framework and what my book helps people do is realize that different that yes, like attracts like, but if we're not careful, we do get to an echo chamber. I don't know how many times we've brought, been brought into companies because they want us to help them with diversity or um, more creativity. And we found out that the CEO hired everyone that is just like him. So it's not okay. going to happen <laughs> yeah. if you just keep hiring people like you. Yeah. And but you then hire people say, who are yes men. Yeah. And they just say, yes, I agree with everything rather than challenging. 
or they or they just speak the same language so you always just come up with the same solutions so then they say well help us hire different people and i say i can do that but if you don't know how to satisfy the different needs of those Mm -hmm. new people they will burn out and leave within weeks so you can't expect to have diversity unless you learn how to leverage that diversity how to feed those needs speak their language um leverage their unique gifts um I think that's that's where we can take it to the next level is whatever framework or model you've learned about, ask the question, so what, now what? That's what we really need to be asking ourselves. And PCM answers those questions. I love that. So what, now what? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I love that. I mean, everything that you've said relates back to what I looked at in my dissertation. Mm-hmm. But like, like you say, it's kind of taken this to the next level now. Um, So I'd love to talk a little bit more about need satisfaction. And so the research I did as part of my dissertation was um, it was focusing just on our basic psychological needs that -hmm. have shown to be universal, the needs of autonomy, relatedness and competence. But I'd love to get a feel for any additional needs or any thoughts that you have on those basic psychological needs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there are kind of universal needs and around kind of what you're talking about, there are personality specific needs and they're called phase psychological needs because the word phase identifies which part of my personality right now is the one that fuels my engine, fuels my tank. If I have all six in me, which one is the, is the engine right now? And so um, they're not all equally relevant and important. So phase psychological needs, um, For example, one of the clusters of needs is recognition of productive work and time structure. And that's mine right now in my life. So for me, at the end of the day, the most important thing for me to be able to question to answer is, did I use my time productively? That's very different from, say, recognition of purposeful or principled work, which is, did I advance the cause and the the values that I believe in today? Or recognition of person. Did I connect meaningfully with relationships that affirm the value of human beings? Or contact. Did I have playful, energizing, fun contact with people that just charged my battery? Um, very different. So there's these different needs and each one, each personality structure has specific ones that have to get met in healthy ways. Because if they don't, We'll try to get negative attention by meeting them in, in unhealthy, inappropriate ways. It's just human nature. Yeah. Um, and that's where all the drama comes from. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Um, yeah. oh, really interesting. I lo- and, and the way you phrase those questions, it sounds almost like um, it's kind of an exercise to do maybe as part of a ritual or a yeah. journaling experience or something that you can do, whether it's at the end of a day or the end of a work week or yeah. however often you want to do it, just to reflect on and say, well, do I know, A, what my needs are and B, what yeah. kind of questions can I ask of myself to ensure that I am making sure that, that yeah. my own needs are satisfied? Absolutely. And that's one reason we're so excited about this new leadership profile, because that's what it does. It guides people through very specific self-reflection questions, um, checklists of behaviors to look at to know if I'm on track or if I'm getting off track, um, what I can do every day to stay healthy, how I enlist my support system to do that, how I hold myself accountable, 
Um, and anyone who experiences PCM coaching or training will be able to do that. Um, but again, I think it's about the so what, now what? What's the point about learning about our personality if we don't put it into action to become, to grow more fully mm. into ourselves and to who we are? Yeah. It's that it, it, I've recently become aware of the knowing doing gap. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So like to me, I mean, for years I thought, well, I'm reading all of these personal development books, of course, you know, I have everything together. Uh, I don't need to do any work. I'm, I'm reading. I have all of this knowledge, yeah. but... Yeah. But it made me realize that actually I hadn't applied any of the knowledge. I read and read and read and I knew, but I didn't necessarily apply it. I didn't necessarily take action, which is what's well, kind of that, crucial. That knowing doing gap actually has six iterations depending on personality type. Oh, wow. So okay. the thinker personality type has a struggle going from knowing to doing because they f- believe they have to understand it perfectly before they can take action. So just but, by saying uh, that, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I think I'm a thinker. <laughs> I'm a thinker. But the harmonizer, the harmonizer personality type has the feeling asking gap. They have emotions and feelings that are important, but the gap is, will I ask for help? Will I ask for what I want? Will I tell anybody how I'm feeling? That's different. That's a, that's a knowing doing, but it's different. Um, or you talked about autonomy. One personality type, the imaginer has a gap between they need solitude to recharge, but they need direction to activate. So it's the alone getting direction gap. How do I, uh-huh. how do I close okay. that gap? Because they're so different. Yeah. Um, so each type has their own, quote, knowing doing gap. And yeah. your question has inspired me to write a blog post about it. I think I'm oh, going to reflect on that. <laughs> yeah. um, I, like, I like where you're going. Amazing. Oh, no, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, now, what do we talk about? There was well, there was one thing that I definitely wanted to pick up, and, and we touched on it before we started recording, Nate, and that was around. Um, you mentioned on the website about your own personality, and you felt that you were maybe mm. you were maybe a bit of a, a rebel, and you didn't quite fit in. <laughs> and now you understand where all of that is stemming from. So, would you like to share a little bit more about what that what what is that? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a psych- I'm a psychologist. My wife is a social worker, and we have a joke in these professions that we all go into this to fix ourselves, even <laughs> though we we act like we're fixing other people. But um, my personality base type is called promoter, and it is it's it's very charming, persuasive, adaptable. I love excitement. I like a lot of action in a sh- or a lot of excitement in a short period of time. And that base type is shared by only 5% of the population. So growing up, nobody understood me. It was like, who is this alien living in our house? And none of my family members could, could help me. They thought I was weird and different. They didn't know how to motivate me. And so I kind of was just, was just grabbing in the dark. Um, and what resulted was my tank was empty a lot of the time because I, I didn't know how to get my needs met. I didn't have mentors, guides, despite my parents' best efforts, they didn't know how to teach me to do this. And so I just kind of accidentally figured it out. But what that meant is I was in distress a lot. And when I discovered PCM was when I finally understood what was going on and that I, there was nothing wrong with me. I was in distress and I didn't know how to get my needs met in a healthy way. And I mean, I don't know how many times I came close to death or burned bridges or caused drama or got expelled from school. I mean, it was just trouble. I don't know why I'm still alive. But <laughs> once I figured that out, I committed my life to 
helping the other, the next person like me not have to go through that and not have to expose the world to that distress. Yeah. So it's personal for me. It means a lot. And it really changed my life in a way that no other model of individual differences could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, what, what is the background to the model? Like, has this been around yeah. for quite some time? It's just, I, I don't think yeah, I've yeah. heard of it. Yeah, it's not as prevalent as some of the others that have massive marketing budgets behind them. Mm. Process communication model was developed in the 70s by Dr. Taby Kaler, a developmental psychologist. And what was unique, it was breakthrough at the time because it allowed us to observe second-by-second behavior that identified whether people were in a healthy communicating space or whether they were miscommunicating. And within a few years, it was picked up by NASA to select and train astronauts for the space shuttle program because it was so incredibly predictive and accurate. Um, it's been used around the world. One of one of our past U.S. presidents personally studied under Dr. Taby Kaler uh, to develop his communication skills. Uh, Pixar Animation Studios that makes movies like The Incredibles and all of those. Yeah. Those all of those characters are based on the PCM personality types, and they have oh, wow. in-house trainers that use it. So it's all over the world. World, just yeah. um, I'm hoping this book and podcasts like this can raise the profile of it because yeah. it's so powerful and it's been well, around it's, for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it certainly piqued my interest and I'd love to dive more into it because it does mm. sound like it's, it answers a lot of the questions that I feel were kind of um, uh, unanswered still, I yeah. suppose, like going back to what you were saying about the need satisfaction versus the values versus the beliefs. Yeah. That's something like I did a, a coaching diploma a couple of years ago and I came away from that going, but how do I understand what my beliefs right. are? I wasn't really clear about how to understand where my beliefs are, where they come mm-hmm. from or how they show up. Um, I've since learned a little bit more about that. But this, the idea of values and like some people say that your values are inherent and that they stay with you for your entire life. But then other people say, no, your values can change over time and mm. um so really understanding the differences between, like you were saying, the um, values being, well, what, what do I value and what's important to me versus yeah. values being, what is my belief system and what do, right. what do I believe is right and what are the guidelines that I live my life yes. by? And yes. like, even that within itself just kind of blows up that, that whole area wide open for discussion for me. And, and I suppose it explains yeah. a lot of things that I didn't know just with it that does. one. And a short, yeah. um, short exchange. Well, and, um, and the personality structure model shows how what's the difference between the two and how they change. Because what people value actually can change for yeah, about two absolutely. thirds of the population. They experience a personality change, but what they believe in can also change based on life, can circumstances, education, family, whatever. Yeah. 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 Really. Really, really interesting. Um, Now, you mentioned, I made a note of three of the personality types. You mentioned that there were six in total. So the ones I have are thinker, harmonizer, and promoter. What are the the other ones? Do you want to talk to us a little bit about what they mean? The persister is the one that has belief systems, strong convictions about things. And that one is we're really seeing it come alive right now during political times yeah. because they believe in things and they, they can become very outspoken about that and very passionate about that. Um, the imaginer is what we might say is the most prototypical introvert of the group. The imaginer is um, much more 
prefer solitude, much more calm, much more. Uh, there's a lot of action inside, but we don't all see it. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is the uh, rebel. The rebel is the playful, fun one that is very creative and energetic and loves novel things, very spontaneous. Um, and most four-factor models of personality don't distinguish the promoter from the rebel very well because they kind of both live large and live with their hearts on their sleeves. Mm. And they don't distinguish the thinker and the persister because both look fairly um, studious, fairly academic, fairly in their heads, but, but they couldn't be more different on the inside. Yeah. So thinker, persister, harmonizer, imaginer, promoter, and rebel. We all have all six in us. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that. So we all have all six within us. And yeah. um, I think I read on, on the website as well that they might come maybe in a different order yeah. uh, of preference or you maybe have yeah. a stronger element of one versus mm-hmm. another. I can, just from the description, I can, I can see what I am. And I do understand like the difference between say a thinker and a persister. Yeah. Um, I would be probably more of a thinker, less of a persister. I do have beliefs, but I wouldn't necessarily go and actively share them and kind of shout about them. Um, And I would be, yeah, less of a rebel or an imaginer for sure. Yeah, Yeah. sure. They're all in a particular order. It can be measured and that it, um, that order doesn't change after about seven years old. Wow. Um, What can change is how often we can energize the different floors and which floor is our phase or where we're motivated. That can change. And so people can experience pretty dramatic changes in what's important to them, even though the way they present to the world looks the same as when they were five. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they get motivated in different ways. So, I mean, I don't have kids, but I can imagine that's a huge life change that happens when you have kids and everything changes or it could be, you know, from a divorce or a moving country or, you know, or COVID. We're seeing a lot more people kind of have personality crises right now during COVID Okay, because the way in which they used to feed their needs isn't working or COVID has interfered with their routines for taking care of themselves and, or they're having to deal with some really pretty scary emotional stuff that they didn't have to deal with before. All of those things can precipitate personality changes. Wow. And, And what can people do or does it really depend on the personality type and, or is it up to each individual, for example, to understand um, how to satisfy I mean it comes back to need satisfaction in, yeah. in relation to motivation and understanding this is my personality type this is what's come to light because of this yeah. global pandemic that we're facing I need to understand how to satisfy me my own needs and therefore what actions to take in order to make sure that those are satisfied would that be fair to say or is there something yeah, I think it's fair people can do no generically that's important specifically it's different for different people yeah. and Sometimes people have forgotten or lost touch with what really fills their tank because they've maybe been in a job where they can't do that or they've just served everyone else and never thought about themselves. So they might need outside help or need an assessment or need to read the book like mine to be able to get back in touch with, oh, yes, this is what I need to, to be healthy. Yes. Um, in, in, in about 45 minutes after we're done here, I'm getting on, I'm, I'm teaching a workshop on, it's called Personality Tune-Ups maintenance and upgrades for the road ahead. And it's really about just what you're talking about is um, we have to maintain and upgrade our personalities to be able to keep thriving. Brilliant. I love it. 
Um, is there anything that we haven't necessarily covered within the book that you think that people should know about? Oh, maybe five or six hours of more stuff, but um, no, <laughs> um, no. To be I, honest, I, mate, I could <laughs> happily sit here and talk to you uh, for another five or six hours about this yeah. stuff. But I would it, say the limitations the, of time. <laughs> I would say the book is not just for executive leaders with titles of leadership. I, it's mm. for anyone that wants to unpack and unlock the potential in their personality, take better care of themselves. If you're struggling during COVID right now, read the book and see what you. You can learn about yourself yeah um, yeah no I totally I, I mean I totally get that like to me people might see that as oh yeah this that's something for leaders but actually no I think like yeah. maybe maybe I'm biased because I tend to buy all of those kind of books and read all those kind of books anyway because I'm so interested in this area yeah yeah um, but I think it's really really important especially based on what you're saying you know need satisfaction and understanding ourselves um so very important question. What makes you happier at work? Well, I, when I meet my needs, um, when mm. I use my time productively, I am the most satisfied. When I leverage my unique gifts, the strengths that go with my personality to both advance our business, to help other people shine, um, I feel so satisfied. Yeah. Um, tonight, I'm using my base character strengths of adaptable, charming, and persuasive. I'm using those to gather my team on my deck, socially distanced, to be able to see each other in person for the first time in a month and celebrate some things that we've accomplished, but also support each other for some really difficult things we've been through over this last week. And so I'm using my charisma to rally the troops. We're going to have a little fun and a few surprises, but it's, 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 leverage it's using what i'm good at to help our team and and yeah. i feel great at the end of the day and i'm most joyful when i can do that or when i can adapt how i communicate to meet each one of my daughters my three daughters needs they're so different uh when they open up to me because they trust me um that's that gives me a lot of joy yeah oh amazing and if people want to connect if they want to to buy the book um mm -hmm opportunities to shout out about uh, sure. how to connect with you, where to find the book and your previous books, of course, as well. Yeah. We'll make it really easy. Seeingpeopletrough.com is, is where you can get the book. You can learn about me. You can connect with other things that I do. My previous book uh, was called Conflict Without Casualties. And it's all about how compassion helps us go into that battlefield of conflict without anybody having to get hurt. And instead we create something amazing. So seeingpeopletrough.com, start there and you can go wherever you want. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation and absolutely I could have spent another five or six hours talking about this stuff. And I'm really looking forward to, um, to diving into your book as well. You're welcome. It's been a joy. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Happier at Work podcast. That was Nate Regeer talking all about his new book, Seeing People Through. As always, I would love to hear your feedback on what you took from the podcast. You can get involved in the conversation on social media. You can also provide feedback by filling out the survey at happieratwork.ie forward slash survey. In terms of rounding up some of the key points that we discussed, we started off talking about compassion and exactly what compassion means. We also spoke about the real importance of having diversity in personality and having that as part of leadership training. 
Typically, there are lots of different models of individual differences. And I myself even like to put people into boxes and labels. It helps me to understand and kind of structure the, the world. Um, but sometimes this is oversimplifying. And so this PCM approach is through behavior, behavioral observable types in people, not types of people. And it's all about observable communication behaviors that people display. And it really helps us to unlock our leadership skills and be able to be able to relate to other people. There are some specific areas that we talked about that understanding more about yourself can really help with in terms of communication with other people. These specific ones that were mentioned were around hypocrisy, honesty, influence, self-deception and trust. The really important thing to remember here is that it's about leveraging diversity of personalities towards a shared goal. Knowing what our limits are, what boundaries we have and what's within our circle of control versus what's in our circle of influence what's complete versus what's completely out of our control. Most people care how others perceive them. We also talked about how personality diversity should form part of the wider diversity, inclusion and equity discussion. Oftentimes we are surrounded by people who are like us, which often creates an echo chamber. So we just hear back the same ideas again and again, but it's about really challenging that and having diversity of thought by inviting people with diverse opinions and diverse personalities into that circle. We spoke about values as being what's important to us as compared to what belief system we have versus the needs that we have to be satisfied. We spoke about need satisfaction and how depending on which type you are or which type is your dominant type, we have different needs that need to be satisfied. And the way Nate described it was as, so what, now what? So what action are you actually going to take as a result of understanding what it is about yourself? So that could, a couple of examples that he shared could be, did I use my time productively or did I advance in some way towards a goal that I had? He also shared some self-reflection questions and challenged us to think about how we enlist our support systems. So to recap on those six different personality types, the types in people rather than the types of people. So we all have all of these to greater or lesser extents. And it's about finding that connection with someone else by identifying with their dominant, dominant type. So the six types are thinker, harmonizer, promoter, persister, imaginer, and rebel. And again, thank you so much for listening this far into the podcast. If you did enjoy the podcast and you think that someone else might benefit from listening to the content, feel free to share that with them and also get involved in the conversation on social media. And as I mentioned, the Happier at Work podcast survey is available at happieratwork.ie forward slash survey. Next week's guest is Chris Pinner. You will find us on LinkedIn Live either on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. And we'll be giving a sneak peek into what we will be talking about 
during that LinkedIn Live. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn if we're not already connected. Aoife O'Brien, that's A-O-I-F-E O'Brien, or Aoife M. O'Brien by search as well. Next week's podcast will be released on Friday at 6 a.m. GMT. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.